This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. To support The Quest and being able to produce more local programming, please visit thequestatlanta.com and click the donate button. Thank you for your generosity. We hope you enjoy the Book of Esther podcast series. Brought to you by Proclaim My Word in partnership with AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. I am Linda Scharnhorst here with Carrie Allen from Proclaim My Word and Annie Porter, production manager at The Quest. And we are excited to be with you for lesson four entitled Finding Favor with God. Now, the forces of good and evil are coming face to face at this point in our study. We will be discussing Haman's attempt at destroying the Jewish people. Mordecai and Esther's response to his diabolical plans, as well as the uncanny twist of fate that takes Haman from a position of power to architecting his own destruction. Let's learn all we can about finding favor with God from Mordecai and Esther. Join me now in praying our opening prayer found in your Be Who God Created workbook. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Father, I desire to know you, to love you, and to serve you. Always be with me, Lord. Open my heart to hear and live your word today and every day. Help me to keep your word forever in my heart so my personal relationship with your son, Jesus Christ, will grow ever deeper. I pray for the wisdom and courage to proclaim the gospel with confidence so others will be led to you and your gift of salvation. Let the light of my love for you be seen so that others will be drawn to your love and mercy. May I have the wisdom to do your will and to follow you on earth as my Lord and Savior until I return to you. Thank you, Lord, for all the many ways you continue to bless me and those I love. Prepare me for whatever the future may bring. Help me daily to walk by faith and not by sight ever willing to proclaim your word and your marvelous deeds. Bless me with faith and courage to trust and obey you at all times. When I walk through dark valleys, give me the grace to know that you are always with me and always hear my prayers. Help me to persevere, Lord, as I wait with hope to spend eternity with you. My trust is in you, Jesus, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So as I mentioned, the title of our lesson today is Finding Favor with God. Carrie, you've done this before for us. Would you start us off with a brief overview of what took place in the last lesson on the power of prayer and fasting for those who might not have been with us last time or just are joining for the very first time today? Sure. Last time, Queen Esther discovered Haman's plans to destroy all the Jews in the area. So Mordecai, her foster father, asked her to go to the king on behalf of the people. She told Mordecai that she could be killed if she went to the king, especially when the king hadn't summoned her. So Mordecai asked Esther to consider that God may have created her for such a time as this to help save his people. So Esther finally agreed to go to the king and plead for her people. 
But first, she had her maids, she and her maids, fasted and prayed for three days to prepare for the meeting. Then she requested for all the Jews in Susa to also fast and pray for three days. So that tells us the importance that the Jewish people placed on intercessory fasting, something I believe that is still important for us Christians today to consider when we can or when we are called to fast. Esther knew that she could be risking her life, so she prayed that God would give her the courage and the words she needed to convince the king to help her. Her request to the king would be very difficult for a few reasons. First, she needed him to defeat the decree that he already authorized to eliminate the Jewish population. Second, she knew she had a powerful adversary in the evil Haman who hated the Jews. And third, she would have to finally reveal to the king that she was Jewish which up until this point, she had not yet revealed to him. And she didn't know how the king would react. And if if he didn't show her favor, it could cost her her life. But through prayer and fasting, she emptied herself so she could be filled with the Holy Spirit. So now in lesson four, we find out not only did the king favor Esther, but more importantly, Esther and Mordecai found favor with God, and he answered their prayers and the prayers of all the Jews in Susa. Linda, who else can you think of that found favor with God? Mary. Mary, Mary, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. In Luke 128, it says, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. We don't have to be Mary or Esther or Mordecai for God to find favor with you and me. I like that, Carrie. It's a good reminder, because when you say that, it calls to mind for me the start of the Gospel of Matthew mm-hmm. that outlines the genealogy of Jesus that we hear every year in the readings. Mary is mentioned in that lineage, and we know she's without sin, right. but there's a lot of other people listed, right? Tamar and Ruth and David, you name it, and all of those you might consider to be more like us mm-hmm. you know, with all our issues and shortcomings. And we as humans often get tr- caught in that trap of comparison, comparing ourselves to others. I'm not like that person or couldn't possibly be chosen by God because I did this or that in my past. Right. And that I want to remind ourselves, and I think it, it calls that it, it's important that we do call it to mind is that is a worldly perspective. That's right. Because our Lord can do anything and can bestow favor on, or on anyone, just like you said. That's right. Many times we do try to compare ourselves to others and focus on what we lack mm-hmm. instead of seeing the gifts, gifts that God has given us. God sees, he sees and he knows what we are capable of. And more importantly, he can use it for our benefit and also for the benefit of others. Now, he sees our potential when we see all that's wrong. Well, right. He gave it to us. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but before we go any further with Esther and Mordecai finding favor with God, let's look at how someone today, you and me can find favor with God. First of all, we have to love God mm-hmm. because without loving him, We can't expect to gain his favor, can we? Mm -hmm. No. No. So listen to what Proverbs 3, 1 to 4 says about finding favor. It says, My son, forget not my teaching, 
Keep in mind my commands. For many days and years of life and peace will they bring you. Let not kindness and fidelity leave you. Bind them around your neck. Then you will win favor and good esteem before God and man. Yeah, so favor kind of reminds me a little bit of grace. Grace. Yeah, just that right. it's right. like we want to lean into this. We don't want to just, you know, be hopeful. We want to also uh, try to live a life that is um, worthy of that. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So to begin with, to find favor, we keep his commandments. We're kind. We're faithful to him. And there are many other references in Scripture about finding favor with God. Here are uh, some other ways that Scripture tells us we can find favor. As I said before, to love Him, Mm -hmm. but we also have to love people. That's harder. (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot harder. We have to be generous. We have to be faithful, be righteous or holy, be submissive, be humble, be honest, and seek wisdom, and above all, seek God. Because as it says in Proverbs 8.35, those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. Mm. So Carrie, most of the ways that you mentioned just there made sense to me. Love the Lord, love your neighbors. I mean, that's, as we say, kind of sums up all the commandments. Mm -hmm. Be generous, humble, Humble's hard for me, but I can understand, (laughs) (laughs) at least theoretically. But speak a little bit more about being righteous. What exactly does being righteous mean? I think it can trip some people up when they get confused with religious. And there is a distinction, right, between religious and righteous, isn't there? Right. Yes, there is. Being religious is about following rules and the observances of a religion, It's not about the spirit of the rule or the spirit of the observance. But Linda, that doesn't lead to righteousness, just following the rules. Mm -hmm. Unless it's combined with seeking holiness. Mm -hmm. St. Jerome, who had a, a real love and heart for God's word, said the following about the fourth beatitude in Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be satisfied. St. Jerome said, our Lord is asking us not to simply have a vague desire for righteousness or holiness. We should hunger and thirst for it. We should love and strive earnestly to seek what makes a man righteous in God's eyes. Mm. Receiving the sacraments as frequently as possible, developing an intimate, intimate relationship with God through prayer will certainly help us become righteous. A righteous person also seeks justice, not just for himself, but for others as well. Simply said, and and most importantly, a righteous person pleases God by seeking him and his will in all things. Okay, so that gives us a lot of stuff to work on. (laughs) Plenty of it. Yeah, doesn't it though? (laughs) Absolutely. You could say that Esther and Mordecai had most of these qualities that I mentioned, if not all of them. So after Esther fasted for three days, she prepared herself and then boldly, with fear, entered the king's chamber uninvited. At first, he appeared to be angry with her, but then he welcomed her and was pleased to see her. God softened the king's heart because when he saw how weak Esther was out of fear, he tried to comfort her. God answered her prayers, didn't he? He not only gave her the courage to go 
to the king, but he also softened the king's heart towards her. I can just imagine her relief when she saw that the king was not angry with her. And sometimes I believe we fear things that never really happen, don't we? (laughs) Yeah, that's so true, Carrie. How many times have we wished that we said or did something sooner instead of worrying about what might happen right, you know, right. when we did it? And that often never, ever materializes. That's right. And I believe that's one of the ways that we kind of wish our lives away. Um, we just are dreading that moment, but it's not that important. Um, and we need to take the action. And there are so many references admonishing us in the Bible to not be afraid, to not have fear. And mm-hmm. I think there's a reason for that. Right. He is a loving father and he wants the best for us. Right, right. This is why God wants us to trust him. See, worry is the opposite of faith. Mm-hmm. God doesn't want us to live in worry. He doesn't want us to live in fear, but rather he wants us to live in hope and faith. Exactly. So three days later, after Esther's encounter with the king, she returned to wearing her royal garments. And then she went back into the courtyard to see the king again. This time when the king saw her, he welcomed her and asked her, what does she want from him? Esther asked him to attend the banquet that she had prepared for him and wanted him to bring Haman to the banquet. He immediately agreed to her request. Now, wasn't she wise in having a great meal prepared for him and serving him wine before making her request? So I guess the old adage is true. The way to a man's heart is through his stomach. (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) At the banquet, once again, the king asked her what she wanted. Now, you could tell he, he really loved Esther. And he found favor with her so much so that he said he would give her half of his kingdom. So Esther again said, I would like you to attend another banquet and bring Haman with you again. So Haman left the first banquet feeling pretty good Mm -hmm. that he had been invited by the queen to her banquet. But on his way home, he saw Mordecai at the gate. And once again, he was filled with anger because Mordecai still refused to bow down to him. But this time, Haman didn't react. Instead, he went home, got his wife and all of his friends together to brag about how wealthy he was, how many sons he had, and that the king promoted him above all the other officials. And on top of that, he was the only one that Queen Esther honored by inviting him to the banquet. In this brag session to his fan club, he wanted them to know what great authority and power he had. He had a huge ego. Mm -hmm. You've heard the saying, pride comes before the fall. Well, Haman is a perfect example of what that saying means. It wasn't enough for Haman to have wealth, family, and honor from the whole empire. His anger and pride controlled him because he couldn't let go of one person who refused to bow down to him, Mordecai. As pleased as Haman was with himself, he told his friends, his wife and his friends, that he couldn't be happy as long as he continued to see Mordecai refusing to bow down to him, he could not be happy. Mm. So what did they suggest? They suggested he build a gibbet, also known as a gallows. And it was to be 75 feet high 
which is the equivalent of a seven-story high building, so that everyone in the city could see it. And then they told him to go to the king in the morning and ask the king to have Mordecai hanged. Now, isn't that sad that Haman did not have one wise friend that would tell him the truth? His friends and his wife gave him some pretty bad advice. They were trying to please him by telling him what they knew he wanted to hear. Carrie, just pause a moment here. So why do we do that? Why do we give advice that makes someone feel better versus giving the advice that's really best for them in that specific situation? Yeah, well, I think first, uh, people are afraid of offending someone. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Secondly, I think that people fear losing a friend Mm -hmm. if they tell them something they don't want to hear. A true friend will tell you the truth and will also hold you accountable. But most especially, if the person is doing something that could affect their salvation, Mm -hmm. we have a responsibility to tell people the truth with love. Yeah. The truth with love. That's true. Yeah. So that is important for us to remember. It reminds me of Sirach chapter six, verse 14. I love this verse. And I know a lot of people have heard it, but it's it's good to remind us all. A faithful friend is a sturdy shelter. He Mm. who finds one finds a treasure. Boy, isn't that the truth? Mm -hmm. How true that statement is. It's better to lose a friend by speaking up than by staying silent when their friend friend could lose their soul. That's right there. That's so important. So we tend to think of the pride and hurting someone's feelings, but really at the end of the day, it's a soul issue. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, Haman's wife and friends were trying to please him by telling him what they knew he wanted to hear rather than tell him the truth and be faced most likely with his anger. So they advised Haman to build the gallows 75 feet high. And the reason for this was so that the Jews could see Mordecai hanging and anticipate with fear what was going to happen to them. Mm. Well, Haman really liked that idea of the high gallows. So he could finally get his revenge and rid himself of Mordecai. So he ordered the gallows to be built that night at his house. So he, Haman was feeling pretty confident at this point that he was in control and he was going to get the revenge that he believed he deserved. He didn't just want Mordecai to suffer. He also wanted him to be humiliated. He wanted the entire Jewish community to suffer as well. Carrie, I think it's important to mention here what the Catholic Church teaches with regard to this type of hatred we're Mm -hmm. talking about. Right. Because we hear a lot about anger. We hear a lot about hatred in the book. But that this hatred we're talking about actually consumes Haman. The Catechism of the Catholic Church in Article 1931, and it's again repeated in 1944, Mm -hmm. says, respect for the human person considers the other another self. So mm. let's say that I again. That. Yeah, it is. It's it's very profound. So again, it's in Article 1931 and 1944 in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Respect for the human person considers the other, quote unquote, another self. It presupposes respect for the fundamental rights that flow from the dignity intrinsic of the person. Intrinsic, God-given. In Article mm-hmm. 1934, it says, created in the image of the one God and equally endowed with rational souls, all men have the same nature and origin. 
Mm. Yes. And Saint, and we need that reminded even today. (laughs) And Saint John Paul II stated back in 2001 that, quote unquote, every upright conscience cannot but decisively condemn any racism, no matter on what heart or place it is found. That's why we need to look into the heart, right? Wow, that's beautiful. I love that. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's very profound. And I love what the catechism says, that we should respect the other person as another self. That was something Haman clearly did not do as he was seeking revenge, was it? Mm, Just imagine what kind of a peaceful world we could live in if everyone saw people as another self. Yeah, take that in for a second, that if we all just saw everyone as another self. Yes, like a mirror image. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Racism would never exist, and there would be no reason to seek revenge. Mm -hmm. Seeking revenge is uh, always very dangerous, and we're told many times in the Bible not to seek revenge, especially when Paul tells us in Romans 12, 19, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So the problem with revenge and hanging on to hatred is that it most likely will backfire and destroy you, as we're going to see how it backfires on Haman in just a little bit. But meanwhile, back at the palace... The king was unable to sleep. I love this part, Carrie. Yeah, this I is do great. too. Because <laughs> you can just so see God in mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm. So he began reading the royal chronicles about the various events in the area. And while reading the chronicles, he was reminded that Mordecai saved his life, mm-hmm. that he had forgotten all about. Can't you just see God working here behind the scenes to save his people? Obviously, God had a purpose for either waking the king up or keeping him from sleeping at all. God uses seemingly small, insignificant things like this to bring about his great purpose. So just at the right time, God brought Mordecai to the king's favor at the very time he needed it. What does that tell you about God? That tells you that his timing is always perfect, isn't it? Yep, not a second too early or too late. That's right. Haven't you felt at one time or another God waking you up in the middle of the night? I know I have. And I always think that there's someone he wants me to pray for. And as soon as I do, I can go back to sleep. (laughs) Carrie, you mentioning that just reminded me of something that, as you know, we've been praying for everyone who is listening to this podcast. And we've been doing Mm -hmm. that for a while. And we've asked other people to help pray for that intention. And one morning I woke up recently and I looked at my email in the morning and I saw uh, email from a friend who said, uh, Linda, just wanted to let you know that prayed for the podcast, you know, and everything related to it, which was for the people. And I remember thinking the night before I went to bed, like 12 o'clock, and uh-huh. it was early, like six. So I thought this definitely came in the middle of the night. Uh-huh. And I looked at the time, it was like 3.31 in the morning. Oh, gosh. Yeah. But this person is very mature in her faith journey. Mm-hmm. And when you ask her to pray, she's going to she take that. It. Yes. She's going to take it seriously. And she knows this, that if you are prompted in the middle of the night, you can't sleep or you're woken up and the Lord puts on your heart to pray, there's a reason for it. Mm -hmm. And it was very edifying for me when she shared it. 
That's awesome. So I totally get that. Yeah, I totally get that. So, and for me personally, sometimes when I wake up in the middle of the night, I feel like the Lord is using that time when he has my quote unquote attention Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. and uh, to pray for someone or give me an answer for some decision that I might have been wrestling with. Right. I often think like sometimes when I don't try to solve every problem before I go to bed, I give it to the Lord on my knees in prayer. And the next morning, sometimes it comes so easily or it could come in the middle of the night when I wake up. It's right. right there. Right, right. He uses anything to get our attention. Exactly. Even when we're sleeping. There was a time when it seemed like for several nights I would wake up at three o'clock in the morning. And I didn't think it was just a coincidence since three o'clock is the divine mercy hour. Mm-hmm. And I believe that someone needed God's mercy and he was asking me to pray for them. So while working on this particular podcast, I became aware of another reason we may be waking up in the middle of the night. Maybe he wants us to praise him. Mm. so we can get to know him better. It's like it says in Psalm 119.62, in the middle of the night, I wake up to praise you for your righteous judgments. Repeat that one. In the middle of the night, I wake up to praise you for your righteous judgments. And that's Psalm 119.62. Yeah, isn't Mm -hmm. that beautiful? So there's another reason to praise God to help you sleep. (laughs) That also could be a good way of of falling asleep. Mm -hmm. I read an article recently that suggested reading the Psalms if you have insomnia. The author recommended it over self-medication and advised insomniacs that it was a better way to use their time for positive, prayerful purposes. (laughs) So the point here is that if we can't sleep or we wake up in the middle of the night, God may have a purpose. And whatever the purpose may be, he wants to bless you and those you pray for. Carrie, can I interject with sure. a, a little story here? So I was probably about 18 at the time when this happened. And this just hit me as you said this. I am the last of six kids and have a very, very prayerful mother. You have to after having six kids because anything can go wrong, right? <laughs> and I was going with a friend and the family to go skiing. And we were probably just an hour out of home and on our way there. And we were hit by an 18 wheeler and like seven other cars. Oh my God. We spun seven times oh in the gosh. middle of the oh road of a three lane highway. And I remember when they came to get me out, like the salt truck guy was there and the police and everything. It was sort of like you're in the middle of the situation. And like the, the ones we only hope we see as we go by them, you know, uh-huh. some in the middle of this. And I heard them talking behind thinking I couldn't hear. And they said, she's lucky to be alive, much less walking. Because when the car went seven times, it ended up perpendicular to the flow of traffic. And it was icy and sleeting, you know. And so cars came in. And I even heard the last person to hit our car. I could hear the woman in that car screaming, even though we all had our windows up. And it was just horrific. So we finally exchange all the information and all of that. And we get to a coffee shop and I call my mom and my mom wakes up. She's been sound asleep. And she said, are you okay? I just had a thought that you were in an accident. Oh, wow. And I said, mom, I'm okay. And she is, I knew you were. Wow. And it was really so profound. Even at 18, I've always remembered that. And I've always been responsive to when I feel a sense to pray for someone. Mm-hmm. I it. know her Do prayers it. helped me that night. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful that God reassured her too. Exactly. She, yeah. it, it was the most calm conversation considering and even going wow. the next day and seeing the 
having to get all the ski stuff out of the car mm -hmm. that had been crumpled. Mm -hmm. It was really like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that yeah. I made it through that. So yeah, yeah. so I, I want to reemphasize there's an important time when you might be asleep that uh, God wants to do something in your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, um, speaking of God waking you up in the middle of the night, I remember a time many years ago when Bob and I were first married and we lived in a small apartment. Mm -hmm. And one night when we were sleeping, I felt a tiny little speck of something, like almost like a speck of dust fall on my shoulder. Mm -hmm. It wasn't something that would normally wake me up, but when I did wake up, I heard this strange noise and it sounded like someone walking on ice. And, and I didn't know what it was. I didn't recognize the sound. So I woke Bob up and I said, what is that strange sound? Well, he immediately recognized the sound. And before he could answer me, he grabbed me by the arm, rushed me to the door, reached back into the bedroom to grab the dog. <laughs> and as soon as he got back to the door, the whole ceiling caved in over our bed. <laughs> wow, Carrie, that's quite a story, too. What caused the ceiling to fall? Well, uh, we don't know what caused it to fall, but the ceiling was plaster. Mm -hmm. And there was a huge piece of plaster that fell right where my head was. Mm. I'm not sure I was aware of it at the time, but there's no doubt in my mind now that God woke me up with a little speck of dust from the ceiling because he had other plans for me. Now he wanted you to do the podcast right you now. Me to be, <laughs> be here right now exactly. for such a time as this. Exactly. <laughs> And God had other plans for Mordecai, too, as we can tell through this story. Mordecai didn't know it, but God was blessing him mm -hmm. and the Jewish people. By keeping the king from sleeping that night, God was blessing Mordecai. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we can't even fathom the blessings that God is giving us. So as the king continued to read the Chronicles, he wanted to know from one of the eunuchs if Mordecai had ever been rewarded or honored for saving his life. But the king was then told that, no, nothing had ever been done to reward Mordecai. So the king decided that he would rectify that injustice. Isn't that interesting, Carrie? Last time we talked about what Esther might have, might have been praying or wondering about why she was in the palace. She didn't mm -hmm. want to be there and all mm -hmm. of that. So now it makes me kind of think, I wonder if Mordecai ever wondered if the Lord forgot about him when he had not been rewarded earlier. Right. I mean, he did save right. his life and then it just went quiet. Mm -hmm. Or maybe the other part is he was a pious man and Mordecai silently trusted the Lord right. between him and the Lord. Mordecai knew that his heavenly father was faithful Right. And that trust gave that trust gave Mordecai the courage to not bow down to Haman. That's right. Because he right. knew the Lord would not forget him. Right. Right. Exactly. So now it even gets better. <laughs> Just at this point, Haman enters the courtyard to the palace. And his purpose is to recommend to the king that she, he should have Mordecai hanged on the gallows that had already been prepared. I don't know about you, but I'd call that bad timing. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, but just moments before Haman was able to make his recommendation to the king, the king asked for Haman's opinion on how someone who had been faithful should be honored and rewarded. Well, of course, Haman's ego couldn't help but think that the king was talking about him <laughs> as being the faithful one who should be honored and rewarded. 
and I'm sure Haman thought he was the only one who truly deserved the honor. He was a glutton for honor and recognition. So Haman, thinking it was him, suggested that the person be given a royal robe and ride on a royal horse throughout the entire city, crying out, saying, this is how the king rewards someone. So basically, the person would be made king for the day. And that's what he wanted all along. He, that's what he wanted all he along. He always yeah. wanted to be like the king. He was that's right. as close as possible, but he wanted more. Yep. Right, right. The king really liked what Haman had recommended. And so this is where Haman's plan for his future drastically changes. Mm-hmm. His plan to kill Mordecai has now failed. And instead of a shameful death, Mordecai would receive a public tribute for saving the king. <laughs> Can't you imagine the look of shame and horror on Haman's face when the king told him that this was a great idea and that he wanted him to take the royal robe and the royal horse and give it to Mordecai the Jew? <laughs> Needless to say, Haman was mortified. His plan had backfired. He had no choice but to carry out the king's wishes. His vanity had been severely wounded, all because his pride wouldn't let go of his need to be respected and honored by one Jewish man. (laughs) After Haman paraded Mordecai around the capital of the city, he went home to his family and his friends in complete shame. And he told them what had happened. And they told him that he wouldn't be able to defeat Mordecai because he was from the Jewish race. Notice how fickle his friends are. They were fair-weather friends who followed Haman as long as he was wealthy and powerful. But now they tell him the truth, whereas before they goaded and encouraged him to execute his wicked plans. I think it's interesting that they recognize that Haman could not defeat someone from the Jewish race. So just then, the king's eunuchs showed up to take the defeated Haman back to the palace for Queen Esther's second banquet. Haman must have thought that the worst thing that could happen to him was now behind him. But he was mistaken. Absolutely. The second shoe is about to fall. (laughs) The stage is now set. It's the second day of the banquet. And once again, the king told Esther she could ask him for anything and he would grant it to her. The king loved Esther and favored her, not only for her physical beauty, but also for her inward beauty. Esther's humility was obvious to the king. As the quote in the ponder in your workbook says, humility is the gateway into the grace and favor of God. Humility is the gateway into the grace and favor of God. I just love that. Mm -hmm. Esther found favor with both her earthly king, but most importantly, she found favor with her heavenly king. I believe another reason God bestowed favor on Esther and Mordecai is that he did not express any hatred or revenge for Haman. Neither one of them did. Mm -hmm. Their only concern was for the welfare of their people. Esther spent three days praying and fasting, but now she had to speak up. Prayer 
or preparation doesn't eliminate the need for us to act when the situation requires it. Prayer does not remove our responsibility to do what is in our power to achieve God's will. You see, God uses our efforts and our prayers to do his work. Esther was now ready to intercede for her people. She courageously told the king in front of Haman what she desired. She asked that her life be spared and the lives of her people be spared, as they had already endured so much destruction, slavery, and threat of extinction. King Ahasuerus was shocked, and he asked Esther who would dare to do such a thing to cause her such grief. To which she boldly replied, the wicked Haman. So so right there, you can see when she explains that her life is in danger, but Haman wouldn't yet know, right? That right, she no, was Jewish. Right, he didn't know. But the lies were people, so you can think, he might have thought for a second, like, oh, no, couldn't be. No. And then she drops <laughs> him the right there, who's the wicked Haman, and that right. describes him perfectly. He certainly does. Mm-hmm. And now the king knew that Haman was the enemy within, mm-hmm. the one who tried to manipulate him into destroying the queen and her people. Well, needless to say, Haman was filled with fear knowing that once again he had been defeated. He obviously wasn't aware of Proverbs eleven seventeen that says, A man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. Mm-hmm. A man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. Another one of the irons, so like the yeah. like in the book, yeah. the ironies right. that's in the proverb, yeah. Yep. And um, although the king was angry when he heard about this, he demonstrated wisdom by leaving the banquet, probably to cool off, so he didn't do or say something he might regret. Now, while he was gone, Haman, in a panic, went to Queen Esther. Now, remember, she's also a Jew, Mm -hmm. and he begged for his life from a Jew mm-hmm. that he was going to kill. Mm-hmm. So isn't that ironic? Yeah. Haman is pleading with Esther for her to have mercy on him. But he had no mercy for Mordecai or for the Jewish community by judging them not to be worthy to live. So as James 2.13 says, for the judgment is merciless to the one who has not shown mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment for the judgment is merciless to one who has not shown mercy mercy triumphs over judgment if you want mercy you better be merciful Mm -hmm. so when the king returned he saw Haman prostrated on Esther's couch and he thought he was either trying to hurt Esther or force her to save him this part, I think this is really kind of um, humorous to me. I've heard that rabbinical scholars, Carrie, have said that an angel pushed Haman at just the right moment. Mm-hmm. So picture this. 
the king has just left. He's angry. And as we know from the past, we've seen where when he's angry, it shows. And so we see him mad. He leaves the room. Mm -hmm. Haman's just found out that his plan is totally backfiring. And Esther has just gotten over the hardest part of her her mission. (laughs) So she's probably feeling pretty good. Got that done. And uh, now he's coming over to ask for mercy from Esther. And then just as he's walking over there, that's where the rabbinical scholars say, uh, angel tripped him up. And so as the king walks in, he sees Haman, now his you know nemesis, lying near his Esther, his right. wife. And when the king saw that, it was just the last straw. Haman's fate was absolutely sealed. Right. But it still got worse, didn't it, Carrie? Yes, it did. <laughs> this is the time where one of the eunuchs wants to seal the deal for Haman and conveniently offers some very timely information, doesn't he? Oh, absolutely. Uh, one of the king's eunuchs now told him that the told the king that Haman built a gallows that was intended to hang Mordecai. The one and the same person who had saved the king's life. Hmm. That was an interesting infrastructure update. <laughs> right, right. So the king told them to cover Haman's face in shame mm-hmm. and take Haman and hang him on it. Mm. What irony that the enemy of the Jews was hanged on the same gallows that was erected to kill Mordecai, a Jewish leader. God favored Esther and Mordecai and answered their prayers. They, they never tried to seek revenge from Haman. They, they, they didn't hate him. They may have even prayed for him. All they did was live as faithful Jews, worshiping no one but the one true God to accomplish his perfect will for the salvation of his people. I think we're trying to do something very similar today trying to live as faithful Christians, worshiping no one but the one true God, to accomplish his perfect will for the salvation of his children. Yes, we may encounter criticism and even persecution, and there may not be immediate benefits or evidence of reward on earth, but your eternal reward will be there as you continue to be who God created he will favor you and he will bless you. I I definitely agree with that, Carrie. That's uh, quite the story here, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> quite a lot. What a twist. <laughs> exactly. You wouldn't expect it. And I think Haman was the last one to expect that. So now is the part that we call Proclaim My Word Unplugged. And this is the part where just things that have uh, we've discussed during this time I have some questions that I'm hoping are some of the same questions that our listeners are probably asking. If they were sitting here with us, they'd say, I want to know this or this. So mm-hmm. um, one thing that I wanted to ask you about, Carrie, was in the, we, you talked about uh, the Proclaim, or, or you were talking about a different area in the workbook, but the Proclaim memory verse mm-hmm. that's for this lesson four, mm-hmm. I'm going to read it, The one of them. It's from Psalm 30, number six, verse number six. For divine anger lasts but a moment, divine favor lasts a lifetime let me isn't that beautiful yeah let me read again just for anyone uh for divine anger lasts but a moment divine favor lasts a light lifetime Mm -hmm. we oftentimes get that backwards don't we oh we certainly do 
we think God stays angry with us, and that is so not true. Mm-hmm. So his anger is but for a short, short time, mm-hmm. and his anger is always out of love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But his favor lasts forever. Mm-hmm. And it's it's true because we can get, especially too, depending on you know our worldly mother and father, how mm-hmm. they treat us, uh-huh. and uh, especially with father figures, sometimes we think the way that that was in our house, you know, if dad was mad for a week, <laughs> <laughs> that God's going to stay, you know, mad for a week. But this is a good reminder from us from the Psalms, which I always love. When you talked about insomnia and you said, read the Psalms, I was uh-huh. like, insomnia. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's a good I way to think that. about it. Have the Bible next to you on your nightstand next to you when you're uh, sleeping. And, Go to you know, the insomnias. <laughs> exactly, I love that. I love exactly. Till you fall asleep. So, Okay, so I want to get to some brass tacks things because mm-hmm. we've had three chapters here, but a lot happened. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, a lot of characters we start to see really developed in this. And so chapter six, verse 13 of Esther. This is the good old wife, Suresh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so she says... This is Haman's wife, right? Yes, Haman's yeah. wife. Yes, that if Mordecai, before whom you are beginning to decline, okay, so kind of... Is if is of the Jewish race, you will not prevail against him, but will surely be defeated by him. So this is interesting for a couple things. First of all, she knew he was Jewish last time. Right. You know, but she's definitely sensing a changing of the tables. Right. The seesaw is going from last time he gave the update. Haman was on the upswing. Right. And now Mordecai is certainly on the upswing. And so I just wanted you to talk a second because I thought this is very similar to the tactics that the devil uses with us, Mm -hmm. like kind of the accuser of the brethren. Mm -hmm. Um, She was the one who said, build a gibbet, you know, and uh, go, go get him, Buster. And Mm -hmm. now she's saying, oops, it's going to be your destruction. And isn't that what the devil does? Oh, come on, do it, do it. You deserve it. You know, you you can't let that person do that and gives this credence right, to this right. idea. And then as soon as you do something, then you have the shame and guilt because yes. the devil's yes. accuser of the brother. That's right. He will do anything to trap you. Mm-hmm. He will do anything to get you on the wrong path. Mm-hmm. But I think it's interesting that she knew that the Jewish people had God's favor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's very interesting. And um, she fell right into uh, the trap, and so did Haman. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it, yeah, the, that whole proverbial see the writing on the wall. That's right. And to see what was there. But yeah, it's um, it's really interesting. And I, I will say on that, I think I've told my friends, because I think you have to say this ahead of time. Um, certainly my family knows this. But if you ask me a question, I'm going to answer what even if you don't like Like my response yeah Mm -hmm. and that's because I look back my own life and I see times when I've had some pitfalls and mistakes I wish people had told me Mm -hmm. Linda Mm -hmm. what you're doing or Mm -hmm. saying or thinking doesn't make sense and that is a gift even if it doesn't feel like it that's right Mm -hmm. and you may lose a friend but Mm -hmm. better that than they lose their soul Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and and we're we're supposed to uh, tell people the truth. We're supposed to talk to them about when they're going, when they're on the wrong path. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, even if they don't listen, even if they don't change, mm-hmm. it's our responsibility to tell them with mm-hmm. love. 
Yeah, with love. That's the key point that you said. And then you just said it before, too, that when God corrects us and has anger, it's it's the same. He does it with love. He does it with love. He does it with love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As we should, right? Right. Okay, so this is another one. I I like, I always learn that if the Bible repeats something, you got to pay attention. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, so this one is when it's in chapter five and seven. Mm -hmm. And it's because there's a little delay when she with working her plan but the king says you can anything you want esther even up to half of my kingdom right and i know that we see that in the new testament in mark right yeah in chapter six where john the baptist exactly Mm -hmm. one of my favorite saints john the baptist you can have up to half of my kingdom None of them take them up on half the kingdom. I think it was me. I just, I would just say, yeah, half of the kingdom's good. I'll just (laughs) call it there, call it a day. But um, so then she, she comes back with something unusual. She says, no, I want to have Basia's banquet with you and Haman. Uh Uh Well, she had a, her agenda was to save her people and that was worth more than half of his kingdom and Mm. she knew it Mm -hmm. yeah and she knew it that is and the other thing too in there is that i'm sure the king i mean he was a little scatterbrained through this whole thing i mean the whole vashti thing in the beginning it's like he went to the advisor now his advisor which i'm sure her mom was Mm -hmm. for him Mm -hmm. all of a sudden he found out he can't trust him he right. runs to the courtyard to have like a timeout. <laughs> and so uh, there's a lot going on there. But what can we learn from the king? Well, you know, the king was a little scattered, but yet you see him as one having wisdom. He had wisdom mm-hmm. and he could see the beauty, the interior beauty of Esther. Mm-hmm. And I think that's interesting. I I think a lot of times we can't see somebody's interior beauty. Mm -hmm. And it's not because they don't have it. Mm -hmm. It must be because we've got a veil or something over our own eyes. Mm -hmm. But he Mm -hmm. was able to see that. And and God allowed him to see that Mm -hmm. because it was all part of his plan. Again, God is working so behind the scenes in this whole book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that... um so behind the scenes, you said last time that our God is a God of reversals. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And here we get to the gibbet, <laughs> to the gallows. Right. That was intended for Mordecai. Yep. Haman had architected it. Right. Pronto, right? right? And now he is the one that they said, hang him on it. That's right. That's a total reversal, isn't it? Total reversal. And yeah. I couldn't, for me, immediately when I saw about anyone hanging in the in the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, made me think of Jesus, Jesus. and Holy Week. And to right. me, you want to speak a little about God of reversals when it comes to well, Good Friday? Where do we see the probably the greatest reversal in all history? Mm-hmm. When Jesus died on the cross on Good Friday, Satan thought he won. Mm. But then three days later, the God of the great reversal mm-hmm. resurrected his son, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And because of that, we have been redeemed. Mm-hmm. We have been saved. Just like Haman thought he won. Exactly. Right up until the time he's the one hanging. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it is, it's a, it's quite a story in that regard of seeing 
because it's so much character development and we can see it in a bigger but you know unless you start to unpack a book like this you don't see all those little intricacies you don't see god working behind the scenes you don't Mm -hmm. see the great reversal Mm -hmm. so i think it's great uh by unpacking the book of esther um just gives us a lot of hope mm-hmm. to read the rest of the Bible. Yeah, exactly. In, in, in that yeah. depth, yeah, right? Yeah, in, in that, that depth. depth. Right. And it is, it's interesting too, because if you think of Haman, he was involved somehow, we were not really sure with the whole Vashti decision as he being one of those advisors back in the day because he'd been likely, promoted. Most yeah, likely. Mm-hmm. most likely. Mm-hmm. And so he pretty much didn't think the queen meant anything. Because oh, he right, got rid of right, one, got right. the other one banished or right. worse. They were pretty insignificant. Pretty insignificant. The only time he really mentions it is when he goes and brags to his family and friends that, oh, the queen wanted me there. Right. And then right. he he really realizes he you know has to beg forgiveness from her. From her. And that the king and queen, you know, it's... Um, right. it's right. It, Basically, she was just arm candy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And now, all of a sudden, she has the power. So one thing I want to mention, too, that I would be remiss if I didn't um, with the quest is that Divine Mercy Chaplet is often played on the radio. Oh, right. Yes. yes. Uh, I think that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. Because what... Um, reminded me of the Divine Mercy Chaplet was when uh, Esther was praying uh, for the sins of her nation. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, we do the same thing when we pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet. We're praying for the atonement of the sins of the world. Mm-hmm. And we're begging God for his mercy. And it's a wonderful chaplet. takes only eight minutes. Mm-hmm. And if you're interested in saying it, they play it on the Quest 1160 AM at three o'clock every afternoon. And that's Easter time for those who are listening yep. in other time zones. Yep. And multiple times, um, it's good to say that's a very powerful prayer. It is. So at at uh, this point, I think we're just coming up to the the end of this time together, and definitely was a lot that we covered. So I thank right. you for Carrie for taking us through oh, that. So you, um, we definitely want to stay tuned for our next and final podcast. Can you believe we're almost there, Carrie? <laughs> wow. It's we covered a lot, but it's gone quickly, and we will see how two brave people again are. Our heroes, Esther and Mordecai, were created to make a difference in the lives of the Jewish people. We're looking forward to being with you to finish up this series. And Carrie, just like you did last time, will you please lead us in the closing prayer found in the end of lesson four in your Be Who God Created workbook? Certainly. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, I desire more than anything to find favor with you. I desire to serve you by proclaiming the depth of your love to those you send to me. May I never doubt your power in my life, for I know that there isn't anything in heaven and on earth that is impossible for you. You know what I need before I do. Help me accept your divine will and the trials set before me. Use me to bring you honor and glory. Increase my faith and my trust in you, Lord, so I may please you and proclaim your goodness and your mercy that endures forever. Jesus, I trust in you. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Carrie. So join us next time on the questatlanta.com website or on the Quest Atlanta app under programs for our final podcast of this series. And Carrie, I'll just turn to you for a last word. Uh, Just remember, just as Esther and Mordecai found favor with God, 
so can you. And if God wakes you up in the middle of the night, either start praying or praising him, and hopefully you can go back to sleep. (laughs) Until next time, be who God created, and you will find favor with him. Thank you, Carrie.